Hey, what is up, everybody? It's Ethan Scott. Welcome to Backstage Pass, the show where we interview some of the best musicians in the world about what being a musician is like, um, what success looks like in the industry, and what mindset it takes to uh, do what you do. And so today, I have Mr. Javad Day on the podcast. Javad, how are you doing today, sir? How are you, man? How are you? Ooh, doing good. The coronavirus has made its way to Oklahoma, and so oh we are... We are <laughs> uh, shut down over here. I know you're in uh, Cali, and so uh, yeah. Now, have they given you guys a stay at home order yet? We have kind of a soft stay at home, so we can't yeah. gather. Let's see. The governor just said this like one or two days ago. We can't like it was kind of advised don't meet in groups that are ten people or more, and then they just signed a thing that was like, yeah, like if if we catch you meeting in ten with 10 people or more then we're going to fine you and put you in jail potentially if it, if it escalates. But we don't have like a, like if you're out on the streets, then it's illegal. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so that's, that's the same thing we have. We have the same kind of thing, but the idiots out here are still doing private parties. <laughs> I'm like, man. And then when we go to martial law, then everybody's going to be pissed off. Yeah. But everybody's it's like, yeah. It's like, you're bro, sick. This, bro, this, <laughs> I guess my thing is, you know, not to get off subject, but even, you know, it's, it's, it, it kind of goes in with touring, too. It's like, yo, you got one job. <laughs> do your job. Do it correctly. And everybody can go home. We don't have to rehearse long. You know what I mean? I think if everybody it's... sits in the house, you know, we all went to the stores long enough. If everybody really, I just honestly think everybody just sat in the house for like two weeks. I think everybody would be okay. And it would just pass. Yeah. Everybody has used to sit in the house for at least a week between that and Uber Eats. Like, just chill out. Yep. So use use this time to your advantage. Outside. Listen, just stay home. If you go, I went to Target this morning to get some wipes for my daughter. Mm-hmm. I found a Target because none of the, nothing out here, we have no toilet tissue. The funny thing is, there's toilet tissue at the liquor stores. But <laughs> that, there's no that is genius. Tissue. That yeah, is genius. Yeah. So, so nobody really knows. Like, if you go to the liquor store, that's where you get the toilet tissue. But like, <laughs> there's no wipes. There's no Lysol spray. Like the disinfectant spray, it's yep. like gone. Like they're not even restocking it. Dang. And so, you know, for me, I because I was on tour, I was just literally, I was I was in Saudi Arabia for about mm-hmm. two months working with Nappy Tabs on a on a project there from November to like January. Then I went straight into Ricky Martin rehearsals came back here for a week to see my kid and then do millennium tour rehearsals. So literally, I, I mean, we always have lifestyle anyway, because I have a home studio and you just like to be safe and sanitary. Yeah. So that's the only reason why I'm kind of good because I just had it. I haven't been home yet. <laughs> so, so you've been stocked you know, up for a while. <laughs> I, yeah. I kind of, I'm kind of stocked up. I'm kind of good. So, but it was just, it's like, man, I literally, every time I get out of my car, hand sanitizer. Yep mask like it's just like just be safe yeah just so for the people out there that don't know you yet kind of tell everybody who are you what do you do what do you play kind of give us kind of the big like who have you done work for the career highlights for everybody out there um well um i have man at this point yeah (laughs) 
Uh, well, okay, let, let's start at the beginning and just kind of work our way down. We okay. have a little bit of time. Yeah. Um, I am Javad Day. Everybody calls me Mr. Clinic. That's my production name. I just want to um, interrupt here. Do you know yeah. how long it took me? Because I follow you on Instagram. That's where I first heard about you. I heard about you from Brian Fraser Moore. Like he, I kind of, oh, yeah. he kind of gave you a shout out on social a while ago, and I was like, "Ooh, this guy!" And then been following you ever since. It took me forever to find your real name. <laughs> your branding well, is on point, bro. Listen, on listen, point. I was like, listen. I can't, I can't be the guy that like finds you, and then I'm like, um. Can you say your real name, sir? I don't know. I just know well, it's Mr. Clinic. Here was the thing. Here was the thing. When I first, you know, um, obviously just wanted to be a keyboard player and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as we're talking, you got the Timberlands. And when I started doing production, actually, because I'm also a producer. Mm-hmm. So when I started doing production and I started meeting the No IDs and Tim yep. and... DJ Mustard, I was signing him for a second, and you know, a couple, a couple of different producers. Um, I started to see like none of them used their real names, and then <laughs> as I became a musical director, um, a lot of the artists I work with that wasn't their real names. Yep. And so as I got closer, because what what happened is a lot of times when you're touring, people, um, I like to keep things business, but when you're working with the artists as close as some of us get to working with them, especially when you're in a musical direction mm-hmm. role, a lot of times you go to the house, you go eat, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so I was, I was with an artist and she let me drive her Bentley. And she was okay. like, yo, okay. yeah. She's like, go to the store, divide and go get some pizza for us. Cause we was going to be working all night on, on the show. Or mm-hmm. whatever. And so she's like, just take the car. I said, which one? <laughs> 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 you know? So she gave, she gave me the Bentley coupe. Okay. I was like, okay, cool. Right. I'm, I'm dipping. But she was like, look, if you, before I left, she said, if you get pulled over, give them this paper. And I was like, huh? Well, the car was in her stage name's name. Hey, okay. So I was like, why was that? And she said, well, what happens is as you get popular, you get famous, you know, you kind of don't want people to know who you are because then they can get to your family. You got crazy fans, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. She's like, and really it's a branding thing. You know, people like me as such and such and such and such. But, you know, Tiffany Malcolm is a regular person. Yeah. So it just kind of helps you. She's like mentally it kind of, like, okay. So, you know, um, as I started doing more production, I started kind of doing the clinic thing. And that was something that is like a play on words. Cause when I was in high school, I was actually going to school to be a pediatrician. I was going to USC. Okay. So, you know, when I got on my first tour, I still had all my, um, my, uh, what is it? I'm losing the, my train of thought. It's, uh, all of my, um, volunteer medical stuff. Mm-hmm. So at 18, I had my first tour and it was like, <laughs> it was so corny now, but yeah. when I first started, I started the show. I was with Fantasia Barino. That was my first official gig. And the show started with like this, you know how you have that build up Yeah. You know, whatever. <laughs> and so I had the bone. And this is before Pro Tools was really like mm-hmm. now in the show, Pro Tools is a big part of the show. But when I was coming in, they had Pro Tools, but the band still played a lot more 
than how much it is now. Yeah. So the the builds were were live. So I had like four keyboards, and on one board I had a, <laughs> a, a tsunami sound. On this board I had a string sound. It was crazy. And so I would wear one of my lab coats on stage with my stethoscope. Okay. And one of my texts was just like, bro, you look like a mad scientist. It's like we're going to a crazy clinic. <laughs> I was like, huh. So I made a band. I had a band. Like we were a band and we were called The Clinic. Okay. So then like the Fantastic Four, I was Mr. Clinic. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of how it uh... stuck and it stuck. Yeah. And so it was just like, well, I, didn't, I had a backpack. I had all this crazy crap. And I was like, well, I might as well stick with it. I can't change it now. You know what I mean? So it's too late. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's how the name happened. But um, yeah, it's crazy because there's a lot of people that I meet that don't like you said they don't know my name, so they're like, "Hey, hey, clinic," and that's how I know somebody's following me on social media. Yeah, <laughs> because all my friends know me. Like Brian, me and Brian, man, I know Brian since I was like 18. He's like a big bro. So, oh yeah. You know, I've been to his house and been to my house. You know what I mean? So when I talk to him, I'm like, oh, what's that? Like, we talk. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not BFM and all that, you know. But I'm proud of, I'm proud of his success. Obviously, he's Mount yeah, Rushmore he's drummers. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, so that's that's kind of how it is. But So you got Nappy Tabs. Question. You got Ricky Martin. Yeah. Millennial yeah, I, Tour. Um, what else is kind of yeah. like top line for you? Um, Top line, as far as the biggest artist that people would know. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously Sierra, I've been her band director and one of her musical directors since 2011. Um, J-Lo, I do a lot of J-Lo's uh, programming and arranging along with Kim Burst. Shout out to Kim Burst, mm-hmm. the best, one of the best musical directors, period. But um, so with Kim, I got a lot of stuff with Kim. Like I did Backstreet Boys for a while. Hey. Um, I did that. Yeah, I did Backstreet Boys, the This Is Us tour. We did a lot of that. Um J-Lo, Paula Abdul, a musical director for her. Um, I just did her Vegas residency. Um, I just helped put together a lot of the TLC tour. (laughs) So good. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to start back on that. Um, I'm trying to think of the bigs. Um, Obviously, Amarion and B2K, when Mm -hmm. B2K was together, I MD'd them. So this year, I'm MDing for Amarion and Bow Wow for Millennium Tour. let me think big, 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 big. Shaka Khan. Okay. I was with Shaka Khan. That was my second, actually, official gig. I was with Shaka Khan for like six years. Wow. So um, I also produced on the Funk This album. I played a couple records on that. Um, <clears throat> DJ Mustard. I did um a lot of his live TV stuff. Oh, uh, Zed. No way. The EDM producer. Yeah. Uh, I did... um. His Billboard Music Awards, I think it was. Wow. I think it was Billboard Music Awards. Um, when he did, um, ah, what was the song he did with, with old girl? The, In the middle. Yeah. Yeah. I was able to say, they called me, um, Elmo from Jamcart called me into musical direct his live performance for Billboard Awards. I want to say that was 2018 because I think 2019 was in LA and I did that with Missy and Sierra. So yeah, because I saw Zed. So yeah, it was in Vegas because I was actually in Vegas doing Ricky Martin's residence. Dang. So it just worked out. Yep. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, Zed uh, in the middle. We did that. Um, Mono Neon was on drum. I mean, it was on bass. I was like, on drums? Dang. Multi-talented. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mono was on bass. Uh, um, 
the I can't remember the two guys that produced on the track with him. Um, they're twins. They were on guitar and perk. Zeb was on Talkbox because people don't know he's actually classically trained. Okay. Wow. Yeah, he can actually pl- no, he can play play like. Yeah, and I was like, well, what made you do EDM? Yeah. He's like, uh, <laughs> it's EDM. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, well, <laughs> okay. Yeah, there we I go. I went the wrong way because I mean, like, dude, like his show. I would tell any musician, like any purist, like you know, you got musicians that really love the the the, the art. Mm-hmm. Go to a Zed EDM show. When I tell you is... his trans his transitions, E are some of the most beautiful. <laughs> It's like, wait a minute! How I heard him do a he did a mashup of Whitney Houston, "I Will Always Love You" and uh, "All Right" by uh, Kendrick Lamar, bro. What? Bro, that's so crazy to hear because usually in the kind of, I guess, kind of R and B pop genre, you know, kind of more on that side. Like a lot of the guys that I run with, it's like EDM and dubstep are kind of like. Eh, you know but it's but like so you're saying like zed is like taking edm to like another level yeah no it's crazy so uh, before we get into i guess how you end up landing all these gigs um kind of tell us what's kind of your go-to like war story about like something crazy that happened on the road so like you're at a bar with a bunch of other mds or musicians and you're kind of exchanging stories what's kind of your like go-to Mo- like crazy moment who um one of the things uh when they were having the tsunamis i don't know a couple years ago it might have been 2010 2000 around that um having the tsunamis and the tsunamis were hitting in tokyo and in japan they were causing earthquakes i was in osaka japan with shaka khan and um, anybody that does the Billboard live stretch, it's like you go to Osaka, you do a week in Osaka, and you go to Tokyo, you do a week in Tokyo. And then sometimes you go to like some other little towns, but they're like a house of blues yeah. um, out there. And so we were out there around the same time they were having the uh, earthquakes. And I always like to stay really high because I like to overlook stuff. Yeah, Man, one of them days, <laughs> an earthquake hit. Like during a and show? had to... No, we were we were on. I think we had a show that day, but we were all at the hotel. And the earthquake hit, bro, and they had to evacuate the hotel. And all I had on was like, <laughs> you know, like a robe <laughs> and like a white beater. And it was like it was like, no, come now, come now, come now. And it was all in Japanese. And I'm like running out, and we went out, and it was me, Andrew Boucher. Everybody's just yelling in Japanese man, as you're kind of just man. running through the hallway. And, and so, <laughs> so you got all these Asians, and then you got a bunch <laughs> of black people, and two white dudes because Shaka's, uh, I think she had a white security guy with her at the time, and John Malinari, who who was a tour manager. Yeah. And so we're all down there. I'm standing down there, and a white beater, some socks. Like some sweatpants. Charles Streeter, who plays for Jennifer Lopez now, he was on drum. He down there, and we're all literally just standing down there. <laughs> and we're like, and then, okay, another crazy story. I can't say his name because he'll kill me. I was in Dude, Japan with say, another Just artist. say his name. Just say his name. I can't. I can't do just it because what I'm going to tell you is going to okay, kill me. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> we're out in Japan and we're doing our thing. He had a video camera that he had bought from japan now the thing that's funny is crazy i was talking to 
one of my colleagues about it. A lot of stuff that we're doing now, you know, the Asians, they had us like they had uh, Apple watches with video and stuff on them in 2006. So what you would wow. do when we would go over there for gigs, you would bring stuff back. Like I had a video phone, mm-hmm. they had video phones, like all of that. So anyway, he had a camera, which was the equivalent of like a GoPro now. And he got it. His girlfriend came. Yeah. <laughs> they made some tapes. Oh. <laughs> while they were in the room. Right. <laughs> now we know about it because, the, because he, what happened was he was like, I don't like the camera. I'm going to take it back. So I went with him. There's a city called Shinjuku Station. Um, and that's where a lot of stuff is. You can get a whole lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're taking the camera back to this electronic store. And so when he takes the camera back, I guess he didn't clear mm. <laughs> the video. Mm. And so it's me, him, and a drummer. And I can't <laughs> say nobody's name because I'm sworn to secrecy. But <laughs> as he's returning it, the lady is like, <laughs> you hear her say, oh. <laughs> Yo, and then she calls her friend over. And so I'm like, why are they over there? Just... And I said, yo, yo, man, hey, what's wrong with your camera? And he was like, oh, my God. Oh, gosh. my God, no way. And they just started busting up laughing. <laughs> Bro, that was crazy. Yeah, no, it's been, it's like you oh, said, it's always some, some so crazy bad. stories. But, yeah. Oh, well, here's another good one. I was in Johannesburg, Africa. Okay. Who Something not in Japan. That's good. Not, I was about yeah, to say, I was like, Japan. something we're, about we're Japan, man. Com- completely the other side. <laughs> and at the time, I had to be like 22, 23. I think I was a shocker. And back then, you know, you didn't have like, now I'm a, I'm a dweeb. So like I got the emulators on my laptop with all the video yeah. games, Super okay. Nintendo, all yep. that. But back then, you would pack up a CD player, you pack up your Xbox, you pack, you yeah. know, whatever. Yeah. So at the time, I think I had a PlayStation or something. And I have brought it. And when you go overseas, a lot of people don't know, a lot of the voltage is different. So something that'll work here, you have to get like yeah. a converter and mm-hmm. all this stuff. I'm in Joe Berg. We got a couple of days off. And I said, man, I'm going to play some PlayStation. I plugged up the PlayStation. It cut on. By the time the title screen went up, my room went dead. Like killed the whole room? Killed the whole room. <laughs> killed the whole room. Now, this is where it gets funny. Then I go outside. Everybody's outside. No, I had killed the whole floor, bro, and I didn't say nothing. I was like, "Yo, man, did everybody's power go out?" <laughs> oh my god! They were like, "Yeah, man, this stupid hotel." And it was a nice hotel. It wasn't like no punko. It was a nice resort type hotel. They're just I crapping on the hotel. You're just like this man, stupid hotel. Man, this stupid hotel. Yeah. This is terrible, man. Why were we at a Man, it was nice. Like it was like, man, looked up. I had kill power to the whole floor. Just put put the PlayStation yeah. away real quick. Just, yeah, yes, I will. <laughs> I'll be right back, y'all. I packed the rest out of that PlayStation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, it's so good. I'm I'm glad we shared the the nerd culture though, because I'm like a huge like video game culture, like all that stuff. So I'm 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 glad to hear there's another musician that shares my. Listen, my uh, listen, my when I tell you, when I tell you, my <laughs> friends that are some musicians, they follow me on Instagram. We all follow each other. And when I'm on tour, I'll post like on my story, I'll post like something I'm doing. So I'll be on the bus and like I have an emulator on my laptop mm-hmm. on all of them, actually. And my emulator, I got the 
Nintendo 64. Yeah. I got PlayStation. I got Sega. I got Super Nintendo. And I got Nintendo. It's all in one bundle. And I have a, a, a driver that'll make it work with my Xbox 360 controller. That's dope. And so people be like, yo, are you playing Street Fighter? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yes, I am. Are you playing Street <laughs> Like, yeah. Yeah. Bro, you got it, bro, bro. You got to give me that. You got to yeah. give me that. And it's, just, <laughs> it's convenient because I used to love those PSPs. I used mm-hmm. to love them. But, you know, they, you know, PlayStation screwed up. So, yep. You got, I'm not really a big. You have a switch? I'm not a big, uh, that's what I was going to say. I'm not a big switch guy because I'm a, I like games. Yeah. So the thing with the switch and the DS and the Nintendo, whatever they're, the Wii, they're like cool, like family games. But I like yeah. to, like, where's Call of Duty? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Where's hey, Super Madden? Smash where's... Brothers, though. Yeah, but that's, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Super <laughs> and even with Super Smash Brothers, as much as I like it, it's like a, I don't know. It's like a kitty game to me. Yep. You know, like it's not like like with a Street Fighter or a Tekken. Like you, it's combat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like this, this is cute. Like, uh, yep. I I get know. that. Yeah, but I, but I, I'm I'm eventually gonna have to get it though because of how much I travel and I you know like I said I'm a real gamer so I kind of don't really like the games. Yeah. On the iPhones. Yep. You know, like I got Streets of Rage and stuff, but I don't know. I don't know. I I got too much stuff as it is. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So let's take it all the way back. So kind of tell us kind of your superhero origin story. Like where were you born? What was it like growing up in your hometown? Well, I am born and raised from Los Angeles, California. So, you know, which is weird because mm-hmm. nobody's from here. Um, that tours, it feels like now. <laughs> but yeah, I'm yeah. from here, born and raised. I was born in L.A. Um, my aunt used to sing with Elvis. Wow. My dad, yeah. My 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 dad um signed with Lenny Kravitz and he was a he had a he had a nice little run as a gospel singer. Um had a couple nice songs back in the early nineties here with uh West Angeles Church of God in Christ. It was a big church. Mm-hmm. Um a group called PH Factor. Um he was the lead singer in that group. He was actually supposed to be in Black Street. Wow. Um so yeah, and then my mom is some background from Michael Bolton and she had a record that got Dove nominated in gospel. And, you know, so I've kind of been around music, everybody, you know, yeah. um, my whole life, even though my mom is also a big corporate. Uh, she's worked in corporate America for a long time. So yeah. um, what what helped me was the business acclimate that I learned from my mother, because even though she did music, you know, for her, it didn't pay a lot of it didn't pay a lot of bills. Yeah. So my mom was making six figures over in corporate America. So I learned how, that's how I learned about computers and, and just how to send a correct invoice. All that kind of stuff was really important. You know, lingo, how to talk with artists versus talking with management, you know, all of those things yeah. that ended up helping me later on, because now that I'm a musical director, you got to be able to have different kind of conversations. I got to have finance conversations, you know, that have absolutely nothing to do with music. Um, so it helped me a lot growing up being on both sides of the spectrum. Um, played in church, obviously, all mm-hmm. of us do. And um, how I ended up getting discovered, I was playing at a church um, in Yorba Linda called Friendship Baptist Church. Big, big church. And the musical that I read, I had, I had uh, replaced um, another guy, colleague of mine, bigger brother in the, in the industry. His name is Bennett Payson. Mm-hmm. Beyonce, Jamie Foxx, wow. uh, Demi. Played with a lot of people back in the day. Um, actually right now he's doing millennium tour for me. 
as my keyboard player. Mm-hmm. Um, he was there. He went over to another big church, the City Refuge, where he's the musical director. And um, I replaced him at Friendship. Well, the bass player that was at Friendship, his name is Alex Evans. He mm-hmm. did Usher's uh, first live DVD on bass. Uh, he plays with Patti LaBelle. Dang. Um, he played with a thousand people. Played with Whitney Houston until she pretty much died. Like he was yeah. Mount Rushmore bass player. He was bass player, <clears throat> and he had just got Fantasia Barino, and um, she had just won American Idol. Um, Rob Lewis was the musical director, who's a huge musical director. But I think Rob had to go do Christina, or it was something, and so he left it over to Alex. Well, they needed a keyboard player. And um, it was between me and another guy named Freddie Moffat who was played with a lot of people, Macy Gray, definitely all these people. And so Freddie also was playing at the church with me. We were playing together. Yeah. And I think Freddie couldn't do it. It was something like that. And um, the guy said, hey, man, you can play. And I was like, yeah. He's like, man, you, you think you want to go on tour? Now, I knew about touring, but mm-hmm. I didn't know enough about it because in my house, you know, we pretty much did a lot of church and you know, yep. monetary wise, it's just not, you don't really make as much money. So in my house, it was like college, 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 college. You can do music as a side hustle. You know, you make a couple thousand dollars a month, but do this. So I wasn't even interested in yeah. it. So <laughs> wow. I was on summer break. I was in college and I was on summer break. And I told my mom, I said, well, mom, I'm going to just see. And um, <clears throat> I went down there. Rob Lewis sat with me specifically. I never forget. He told me, he said, uh, Javad, when you're playing, look at it like you're climbing a mountain. Hmm. He said, and when you're climbing, you never, when you start climbing a mountain, you never start at the top. He said, so don't give them everything at the top. Wait for them, make them wait for it, and then you gradually get out of there. You know, it's like working out. You can work out really hard, but then you'll, you'll, you'll be winded. So you can't give them anything, it won't be anything. He taught me how to play in big venues versus small venues, yeah. stuff like that. And so I went and did the tour. My first tour, <laughs> what I was making <laughs> <laughs> for that tour, I'll just say I make that for Pray Dim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, but I didn't know. You, know, you right. don't know. And it's your you're first young one. And, yeah, it's the first one. Um, but uh, I did the tour. Fantasia loved me, um, learned a lot of stuff. And then from there, um, I just kind of kept going up to the, to the, to the next things. But <clears throat> I was always around musicians. I was always around all the kind of main guys of the, of LA, mainly because of how big my father was Yeah. Um, here as a singer. So everybody knew my dad. So because they knew my dad, it was, oh, that's, you know, that's Kenny's son. And, you know, but then <clears throat> it was just crazy because as, time progressed and it started oh that's Javai's dad (laughs) yeah so whenever you were a kid did you like did you always want to be a musician even from whenever you were little no I still don't want to be a musician half the time (laughs) 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 to be honest with you no I didn't I I wanted to be a doctor I wanted to be an astronaut um and then I fell in love with computers at about 10 so I would I just knew I was going to be like the next Bill Gates yep and um you know a fellow nerd you would understand i can put a computer together from scratch yeah. mm-hmm. so where it helped me in my career is a lot of times i don't ever need a pro tools tech i don't ever need an engineer because mm-hmm. i can mix i know how computers are supposed to work i know why they're supposed to do what they're supposed to do so when i have a computer guy 
or I have an engineer with me on a lot of accounts, I cut all the work in half. Yeah. Just because I can come over and say, oh, okay, actually it's this. And a lot of the key commands are nothing but Microsoft Office and PowerPoint commands. So what made you, what made you, um, like, how did you get so good at keyboard then if you were kind of like doctor, astronaut, like kind of down that Because I vein? still played at church. I still played at church, even though I excelled in school. Church was fun. You know, playing music is fun. It was still yeah. fun. So by the time I got to, I think, middle school, I start, I didn't start playing keys until way later. I played drums first. I played drums hey, and trombone. Hey, there we go. Yeah. yeah so Everybody starts out on drums, I think. Like yeah, everybody yeah, said because, that. <laughs> well, because it's, it's the funnest instrument when you're a kid. You know, piano doesn't look fun. Piano looks hard. Yeah, yeah you know, that's right. Um, but actually, drums is is very difficult <clears throat> to do it at a certain level. Mm-hmm. The thing about drums versus keys is you can t- be terrible on drums and go play drums for someone. Yep, that's right. <laughs> that's you really right. can't be terrible on piano. It's, and there's play. a there's an easy skill ceiling whenever it comes to drums, like. Yeah, you can, as long as you know how to keep a beat. Drum beat number one. Snares on two and yeah. four, you're good. Yeah, yeah, you're good. So um, uh, that was that was the thing. Um, um, it was fun, you know, and, and my, my stepfather is a doctor. So um, one time he came home and I was I had a little like Casio or something. And I was just fooling around and he was like, it had like a little sequencer and he was like if you can make that do that what would you do with like a keyboard keyboard <laughs> yeah. I, was like, I mean i don't know and he took me to guitar center i was 15 and he bought me a roland xp60 wow he bought me one right off the he bought me the the one that was on the on the display and i sat with it he sat up with me all night and i went through every sound mm-hmm. <laughs> every sound that there was and um that's just kind of how it <clears throat> i kind of I, I loved it um, but I still, you know, as a man, I never thought about, um, doing it as a profession. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I just didn't. And, but it was fun. And then when I got to college <clears throat> and high school, <clears throat> I think about the time I got in high school, I was, I was on salary at a church. And so for me, the reason I did it was because I don't have to clock in and go to soup plantation with all my other friends. Yeah. And I was making more money. <laughs> yeah. So it was just like, you know, I'm doing less work and I'm still bringing home, you know, I think I was like 1500 or something like that, which is great in high school. I'm the king in high school. You know what I'm saying? So it was yep. just like, that, that was really what it is, what it was for me. Um, it was just like, okay, something I'll do. I can make money. It's fun. You know, music, you know, cleanses the soul. It's just, it's just a fun, it's like dance or playing sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played sports too. And so then I became the cool guy because I was a nerd. So I was, when I was playing sports, I was helping all the guys on their homework. Yep. But then um, the other side to it was, oh, well, Javad does beats. Because okay. I played piano. Yeah. They were like, oh, he does beats. So now all the football players, all the rappers, you <laughs> yeah. know, we had a we had like a um we had like a little music curriculum. It was terrible at my school because it wasn't hot. It wasn't music wasn't hot like it is now. Yeah. But we had like a little computer music production class and they had like fruity loops back then. Fruity but loops. you know, for me, 
that was that was cakewalk. I yeah. could make eight, 80 beats on this. They sucked. They were terrible. But <laughs> to, you know, the 11th grade, you know, yep. <laughs> quarterback is great. And so that, that's just kind of what it was. I just really kind of fell in love with it. And then I started making friends that were in music kind of thing. And, you know, and then once I got the tour, I was like, huh. And then when I got my second tour and my money went up, I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. So tell okay. me about kind of the time <laughs> in between. So how long was it between Fantasia and Shaka Khan? And how did that all end up working out? Ooh, no, you know, that that was the thing. That was what I was going to say. My I told my mom I would stop if it ever stopped. Yeah. Mom, I'm going to leave school. She was a little sad. Yeah. But she was like, well, you're smart enough that you could actually go back and do whatever you need to do. So I'll help you if you need the help. Um, and I said, okay. And I said, this will be my word to you. I will stop touring if it ever slows down and I make anything under X amount of dollars. Mm-hmm. And that was the first Fantasia tour. First Fantasia tour was like in June. And then I think she went out with Kanye on a college dropout tour. That's we were the opening. Yeah. She went out with Kanye um, that October was a college dropout tour. Mm-hmm. Um, so whew, I did that tour and then. Let me see. I think I think Shaka was like because I, at one point I was doing them both. So I think Shaka <laughs> was like the next year. Wow. And then Shaka went for like and then I stopped doing Taser because they didn't want me to sub out. Mm-hmm. And um I think I did like a couple of things with Charlie Wilson. And then um yeah, Shaka was from two thousand and six. To 2011. Wow. Yeah, and I did a couple of things in between. Mm-hmm. Like, I did the first year thing. I did Backstreet Boys. Like, I did little stuff in between and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, you know, artists like Shaka, they kind of work year round. Yeah. So, you know, it was just like, I would look up, I'll be gone five, six months out the year. You know, just being overseas alone. Yeah. Um, and that's that's really what that's they're, they're really I can honestly say I think I've only had <clears throat> maybe one year where I wasn't busy a lot of the year as far as touring mm-hmm. like as a musician um around 2012 13 I kind of started transitioning into musical directing a little bit more and putting people's shows together so a lot of stuff a lot of a lot of how I make my living is actually from just putting things together. I don't really try to go out and tour like that as much anymore. Yeah. Um, so, how did you get into that? Well, um, that was the thing. I was working with a lot of artists. I was working with Kim Burst. Kim Burst really and Andrew Boucher probably get the most credit for um, kind of the routes that I took in mm-hmm. my career. Um, with Kim Burst, Kim Burst is a musical director. Um, she doesn't, she's not really like a, a MD that goes out and plays with the artists. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times when she would bring me in, the band was already decided or she was hiring me to be in the band. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the show had to be programmed. 
And she plays, but she's not like a player player like that. She just knows what she wants because she can play. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of started doing that. And it was just like, huh. I, I mean, I, I mean, I did it with Shaka with, with Andrew Boucher. He would allow me to assist him. And um, I liked it. I, I like creating. And, um, you know, after, after a while, people kind of started knowing that it was me. Yeah. And then they started calling me. And then there we go. as I got my own accounts, then it was like, hey, well, you did such and such. Well, can you do this? Or, you know, and then I got hooked up with Nappy Tabs through um, Kim because Kim was doing J-Lo. Yeah. Wow. So and they do J-Lo. So then, you know, they reached out and it was like, well, we got this. We got this, this and this. And then it was like, oh, OK. So a lot of the accounts like I got Ricky Martin from Kim because J-Lo had when she was doing her Vegas residency that we all did together, it was me, but it was like everybody, Ricky Minor, um, David <laughs> yeah. Cabrera, wow. who, who's Ricky Martin's musical director. And David Cabrera is like the Latin Ricky Minor. So, <laughs> um, Kim, it was Kim, Ricky Minor, David, me, I think 1500, Kim's guys that she uses. I mean, JLo had a lot. She, she caught a lot of people. And, um, you know, we all kind of worked under Kim because Kim was the musical director. Mm -hmm. And so um, when David Cabrera came in, he reached out to me um, and he was doing Ricky. And he was like, hey, man, you know, you're really talented. You know, um, he reached out to Kim and was like, look, I know Javaz your guy. Um, but, you know, you know, could we work or whatever? And she was like, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not Javaz's mom. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's, a, it's a respect thing because yeah. when somebody sees you with somebody else. They should do that. A lot of people don't have respect for mm -hmm. the industry like that. Um, and then that's how I got Ricky. And then Ricky just took off. And then I did LaVos. I did the TV show with David as a producer and person in the band. And so that's just kind of that's just kind of what happened. I didn't really want – for me, I got to a point where you have to evolve. Yeah. And I didn't want to work for my peers. Um. And it wasn't that there's anything against any of them. I love Adam. I love all those guys. They're great guys. We all are friends and yeah. all of that. But, you know, um, for, I wanted to do what I saw my peers doing. So, you know, you kind of can't do that and work for them. Right. <laughs> so, you know, and I, and I felt I brought something to the table that was a little different. And um, I kind of fell in love with it. And it was cool because I could be in a lot of places without having to physically be there. Um, when you're a musician, you know, you're in love with music. So it's like, I just want to play and do this. And I want to be out with that artist. And um, then as you get old, okay, you see what the shelf life is being a musician. Yeah. You know, and it's like, okay, I got to be able to do something else. That's also why I got into production and doing, you know, I've done TV shows, you know, all kind of stuff. Because at the end of the day, you know, when you're 40, you want to tour because you want to tour. Right. Not because you have to. And so that's really kind of how I got into it. And people really liked it. Um, and so they keep kind of calling. And I thank God for it because there's a lot of really, really, really talented mm -hmm. um, arrangers. Um, but, you know, there, there's, there's this is different. Some people do stuff different. It's like Brian Fraser Moore, for example. He's an amazing, amazing drummer. But and there are a lot of drummers that do a lot of great, great, great yeah. drum playing. But Brian knows what to play and why to play. Yeah. And that's why people call him. And I, I like to 
think that I'm one of those musical directors that, you know, you could go over here and get this, but you know, with me, the sound is going to be right. You know, it's going to bang right for TV because I know about TV mixes and the difference between that yeah. and live venues. Like there's, there's so many moving parts. Um, and that's kind of how I got into it. And, you know, um, Kim Burst kind of kept calling. And so I was able to learn a lot under her because she has Hi. Hi. <laughs> Somebody's <laughs> walking in front of my house. Little girl. Hey. <laughs> um, I um she has an ear for what translates good on TV. She just has an ear for that, especially when it comes to yeah. artists that are dancers. Like she does J Lo, but people don't know. A lot of people don't know now because at the time social media wasn't hot. She was Beyonce's musical director until wow. Yeah, it's like Destiny's Child. Like she, you know, she was all of those, you know, Tamar Braxton, Monica, you know, uh, I think she just did Fantasia's tour, like Black Girls Rock. So she understands how things are supposed to sound Mm -hmm. and why. Like little things like, okay, the artist's vocal needs to be this amount of dBs higher than the music. The backgrounds need to be this amount of dB. Like I've seen her be in a recording truck and say, put it at this. And so I was able to, to learn a lot um, under her and take that and apply it and then apply the things that I know on my own and things from other musical directors like Nissan and Rob and Adam and, you know, Rex and, you know, Tony Russell, like a lot of people um, that I I really like how, how they're, st- oh, Valdez, God knows, natural. Yeah. Like, you know, a lot of, I just love how their stuff sounds. I'm really big on sound. Like sound is everything to me. I don't care about moves. I don't care about licks. Like what is it when you play it? What does it make you feel like? Like, and mm-hmm. I love Hans Zimmer and like movie um, type stuff. So I always try to go for that as my intros and stuff. And so it just yeah, kind of that's good. It kind of worked, and artists liked it. And so you know, then it was like, okay, you want to do this? Okay, you want to do that? Okay, you want to do this? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And it just kind of keeps coming, and I, I I thank God for it. So. Throughout all that stuff that you've done professionally, what would you say uh, was the lowest part of your life? And what did you learn from that experience that kind of helped build you into who you are now? Um, The lowest part would probably be, I want to say probably 2010 to like 2012. Um. When when you when you start in the music industry, they don't tell you what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're a musician. If you're good, they throw you into the fire. You're supposed to play. You're supposed to sound good, and that's it. And there are some things that yeah. you just can't learn without experience. Well, the problem is, a lot of older guys they they kind of pick and choose who they take under their wing. And, you know, I didn't really know about the business side of things and how your opinion can hurt you with certain relationships and hmm. like just certain certain adult things that you learn in college and, you know, living on your own. But it's just different when you're on tour because it's just different. You know, one it's one thing to have a house. It's must live out of a bunk. It's something you know what I'm saying. It was yeah. little just little things that I just didn't know. And it hurt me, like, you know, and then you kind of see that people don't really have your best interest in heart. You know, you're cool Mm. until you're not cool. And, you know, a lot of people said a lot of bad things about me. Some of it 
was true. A lot of it wasn't. And a lot of it was because I had an opinion. And I didn't really care yeah. what people thought. I, I knew I was better than a lot of people, but I never came at it like I was better than them. But they all treated me so bad because I was a young guy. Like, I was so much younger than the guys mm. that I was working with. It wasn't like, you know, you got these guys now where they kind of come in with crews. Well, here in L.A., I was really the only guy in my age group playing with the level of people I was playing with. Yeah. So I didn't really have no guys that I kind of – that was my guys. So when I messed up or made a mistake, you know, people would let me fall. And it was hard. It was hard. Um, Tony mm. Russell and Damon Farmer um, and Bennett Paysinger, they really played a huge part in me restructuring how – I did business, um, how I talked to people, um, my image. You know, a lot of that is a big part because, you know, people ain't going to call you. But, you know, the funny thing was I always still made money. Yeah. I wasn't um, uh, on a call. Um, I, wasn't, I, I, I wasn't broke by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but you know, it was just certain things I had to learn because you just, you get more bees with honey. You just do. And, um, I just learned how superficial the business is. You know, the moment I got really successful, you would think I've been cool the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. But that's the business. And when you learn to take your heart out of it, um, you go a lot further, um, because it's business. And that that was probably the lowest part. You know, I had some personal things that that I went through as a result of it, too. And um, it kind of sucked. Um, and then at the same time, we lost the Shaka account. So I wasn't on Shaka. I, yeah. I went to um, another artist who I MD'd. Um, and it was a learning experience because she was different. I was MDing for a sale. She had just put out an album. And, you know... I learned a lot about different cultures on that situation mm-hmm. um, because her being from, from, from Europe, their, their attitudes are different. Um, and I learned a lot dealing with her. That's when I learned about dealing with management because yeah. that was the first artist I ever dealt with that really kind of didn't want it to. And I didn't understand it. Um, but you know, it kind of was what it was. And I learned about management and learned about, you know, is there, Ended up um, um, sending me to my first actual, like, production placement, which was great. Um, so, you know, it, it was it was just a lot that I learned. And after that, after I season, you know, everything just kind of went boom, 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 boom. And it just yeah. kind of really hadn't slowed down um, too much. Um, but I learned about not really putting all your eggs in one basket, like, you know, mm-hmm. because... The thing about the touring money is funny because it's like, oh, man, you're out there doing what you love. Yeah, you love it. And it's cool. And the money's good. But if you don't know anything about finance, yeah. you can be making $4,000 <laughs> yeah. a week. And in two months, be broke. Yeah. And see, the thing is, here in L.A., um, the thing about being here in L.A., it's expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, I, to me, it's not expensive because I'm from here. Right? But... You know, the money is, you know, when I find out people living in Houston and spending $500 for rent yep. <laughs> and they got a two or three bedroom and, you know, my house is 
worth upper five figures and it's about the size of a two hundred thousand dollar house yep. in you <laughs> yeah. know Kansas City, you know, it, it's kinda um different. Yep. So uh I guess if you don't mind the you said there was some other stuff going on in your line like in your life personally around that same kind of 2010, 2012. Do you mind going into that? Yeah, no, I, I was married and um, it wasn't working out. Um, people just were kind of saying some really mean things that weren't necessarily true. Um, what were they saying? Okay. Huh? What were they saying? Well, I mean, they just, they just, it's, it's just a lot. People just are, people can be cruel. Yeah. People can be cruel, and, you know, the thing about the music industry is the more, like, if the, if the right person says something bad about you, then it's law. Hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's what I, I don't like about the music industry, at least the touring band part of it. It's like, like now, I have enough weight on my name, quote, unquote, right. that if I said... Don't nobody go to Elliot's thing because he's a terrible person and he sucks and he's such and such and such. Now, everybody might not listen, but some people are. Right. Just because of what Javon said it. So, yep. You know, because Javon works with such and such. Yeah, but that doesn't mean, (laughs) you know, or it, Mm -hmm. it, it may be true, but that might be, that might be my, what happened with me. That doesn't mean it's necessarily true. That might have just happened in my experience with you, right? Yeah. Um, and that was hard because it's like people say that they want you to be real and they want it to be an honest thing and all of this, but a lot of times it's not always necessarily that. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and it, it, it took some it took some some getting used to 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 learn the game of the music industry. Yeah. So tacking on to that, what's the, I know you said you've had a lot of mentors. What's the best piece of advice that you've been given by one of those guys? Let your, let your work speak before your mouth. Mm, that's good. That was probably, that was probably the best piece of advice I've ever gotten. And I, and in some shape or form, I got it from all three of my mentors. And the thing is, um, Tony Bennett, Damo, Kevin Randolph. Like, there was a lot of people that were, it's, oh, I forgot I didn't say I, I was with Keisha Cole for two years, too. <laughs> hey, Kevin Randolph. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Randolph, I'm sorry. That was a huge, huge, that was that was on the upswing. Yeah. That was when I came out of the whole, you know, and I kind of started doing different types of gigs. Um, I got with Keisha Cole, and I was with Keisha Cole, I think, from 2012 to 2016, I think. Yeah, I was with Keisha for a long time. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Keisha. She was she was she was cool to work for. She was really she was actually really nice to, to us. I don't know how she is with everybody else, but with us, it was cool. Me, Kevin and, and Scooter and DJ Active who's with Janet Jackson now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, all all of the guys that I looked up to that I trusted what they said, they all said the same thing. Hey bro, just let your work talk. Just shut up and get the work done. And then you'll be able to say whatever you want. But then you won't ever want. You won't ever need to. Yeah. Huh? And that's that's what happened. That's literally what happened. Um. And 
it's been great. I, I did it. You know, it just it just sucks because you never you never forget people that have wronged you. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. just have to always remember when if, if your heart is pure, if you're a jacked up person and what goes around comes around. But if you try to be good to people and try to do good by people, for the most part, good stuff is going to come back. Yeah. And a lot of those people that have some really nasty things to say that weren't true because they heard somebody else say it or whatever, a lot of them maybe would come back and ask to work with me. <laughs> or, <laughs> yep. Or, you know, they, hey, man, you know, I was wrong or whatever. And at, at, at that point, you kind of just don't even care anymore. Yeah. Because, you know, but it, it is validating because it hurts when it's not true. If it's true, you kind of get angry. But if it's not true, yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. But um, yeah. That I think that's the thing I I took. You know, let your work do more than your mouth, because your work and your ethics will put you in doors that your know, your mouth could never do anyway. Yeah. So do you have like a life saying or like a mission statement or a motto that you kind of live by or like your creed or that mentality that kind of is always on the forefront of your mind? Definitely. Definitely. My, my motto these days has been, um, prepare, uh, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Hmm. I live by that. I live by it. And anybody that knows me, no, that's, that's, I mean, I live by that. Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. When if did you, you <laughs> when did you kind of decide that for yourself? Um, I mean, I've always kind of worked by that, but I want to say I saw that online somewhere, maybe two years ago. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like, oh wow, that's freaking crazy. And it, and it, it just, it's, it works for everything. It's mm-hmm. like with the corona. Prime example. I've always had sanitizer. I've always had soap. <laughs> yeah. I, I always had toilet tissue. So I didn't have to go to the stores and and go crazy because I've had them. Mm-hmm. I have I have a little girl who's two years old. I'm not really worried about wipes and diapers because right before I left, I just happened to buy her a thing of diapers that yep. I never opened. Because I was I'm just always prepared because what if she comes to the house and I didn't plan it? Yep. You know? <laughs> Even with my career, you know, my career is booming. Um, I'm very, very blessed. Um, but right now, everything is canceled. And I know a lot of musicians that were doing some of the same gigs I was doing. And, yeah, you know, some of the same tier gigs. And they have to go figure out what they're going to do. I, I don't want to go into my money too much, obviously. But if I don't have a choice and say, I have to lock myself mm-hmm. in the house for a moment. You're prepared. I'm fine. I'm good. I don't have to. I don't have to work at least until November. Wow. And even then, I'll probably be okay because I don't live above my means. Yeah. You know, I have, I have a car. I got a couple cars. You know, I got a house, but you know, it's not no brand new. I don't have like. And I love. Don't get me wrong. I love all the stuff I have. I got my stuff. I got a couple little backpacks. You know, you pick it up along, along the way. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I live very. I live very very modest because. I always treat one thing Kim Burst told me one time. I treat every gig like it's my last. You play every gig, you do every account like they're never going to call you back. So that way, if they don't, 
you're not hurt. If they do, cool. And so when it comes to my finance, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of, um, you know, I don't live like the touring guy that's playing with this person and that person. You would think, you know, I got a nice car. I have a nice car. It's old, but I have a nice car. Yeah. I got a cool house, but, you know, I don't have 50 pairs of Jordans and too much jewelry. Yeah. Like, and it's great. I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that because I'm a tech junkie. I got a bunch of TVs. But you know, at the end of the day, when 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 this is your living, the problem with a lot of musicians and a lot of people is they don't realize that just like tomorrow isn't promised, your job is not promised. So I know a lot of people that live like, oh, okay, well, I'll be good to my next check. But when you're in music, you your artist, especially if you're not the artist. Yeah. The artist can get sick and say, okay, the tour is over. Or management can come in and say, you know what? We don't have enough, especially for the band. We don't have enough money for band and dancers. And visual visuals is more important than music right now. And that's just what it is. Yeah. It, it's just across the board, rather people like to admit it or not, as much as people love music, I'm on more conversations where they're talking about what are we going to do visually how many yep. dancers can we add for this show? Screw a band. Let's have a band go do pre-record. You're not going to have dancers do pre, pre-dancing. pre Yeah, that's right. But it's the truth. So if you know if you know that's the climate of, what we're, of where we are, then why would you spend your money from a tour if it's very possible that the next tour, they might not use you? Or if they use you, they're going to have you do pre-records, which means you're not going to get a monthly stipend. You know what I'm saying? If you're making $2,000 a month, I mean a week, which is a, a standard tour, it's pretty good. That's $8,000 a month. But if you go do a pre-record, a lot of times the pre-records might be like half that. So to live like it's coming to me just doesn't make sense. And so I just yep. try to prepare for everything. I try to prepare for the best. And, and you know, I try to prepare for the worst and expect the best. And that's just kind of how I am even with artists. When artists call me, you know, if if I know I'm going to take them on as a client, I go through their catalog of songs so that I can know their songs when I finally get down with them and talk. You know, it's just, you know, you 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 practice all the fail safes that, that people just don't prepare for. Yeah. You prepare for, for the laptop to crash because laptops <laughs> yeah. crash. So you have different backups in place. So if the laptop crashes and the band is on stage, can we finish the song without it? Yes. Okay, cool. If the laptop crashes, but, you know, the vocals, there's no BGV. So the vocals are on the track and we need that. What's our fail safe for that? Like I've done situations where I had the whole show on a phone. Wow. Going to a bench at front house with clicks hard right and the songs hard left. Yeah. I've had the songs on it, had the laptop. I have my laptop at my station which had a two-track mix. Uh, I mean, it had all the Pro Tools, but it had them all going down a two-track interface. Yeah. And I had songs being able to be sampled from an SPDS pad. Like, <laughs> did awesome. we ever use it? No. But have I been in situations where the computer crashed? Yes. You yeah. Know, we had a situation one time. Shout out to William Burke, my Pro Tools assassin. Um, done everybody one of the first original Pro Tools guys and still relevant to this day. We were out with Sierra and we were opening for Bruno Mars on his tour. And for some reason, 
and his 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 rigs are fail safe. I've never been on a safe <laughs> track. For some reason, this night in Texas, the lines wasn't getting read by Bruno's team, and we got about forty minutes to go on stage, and we got to test time code, Ooh. we got to test pyro, we yeah. have to do all of this because we got to do line check. But we have, hey, just in case, we got a whole nother rig. Yeah. <laughs> Over here, push one button and boop, 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 boop. You know what I'm saying? So those are just certain things. That's why I live by that model. Prepare, you know, failure to prepare, prepare to fail. So what are some common mentalities that you've seen in other people that hold them back from success in the music industry? Like young guys coming up or people that have been out that didn't get called back out? The problem I've noticed is a lot of musicians get in their own way. Yeah. So uh, music is the only, well, maybe not the only, but music is one of the the only art forms, or or you know things that we do for a living, that you can take self gratification, and make it valid for you. You can have somebody that lives in Oklahoma, and in Oklahoma yeah. they were the guy, but they're not really the guy. So what happens is you have these guys that learn how to play and they're, they're good to the hundred people that they play with. <laughs> yeah. And then you get out here to LA and you see out of the top mm-hmm. 10, you're probably six. So now all yeah. of this, oh, I'm this yep. and I'm that, I'm this, I'm that, really don't get you far because now you're not even the best. Where in, in town, you might have been the best, so you, you built up this rep for yourself. You know, hey, I'm such and such and such, and, duh, 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 and everybody's kissing your butt because you're the only, you know, Eric Spears there. You're the only Brian Fraser Moore there. You're the only Rob Lewis there. You know, mm-hmm. you're the only Henry there. Well, in LA, everybody's Corey Henry. In LA, everybody's now every not not taking anything away from them because they're amazing musicians, yeah. all of yep. them, amazing producers, all of them, but. You know, the, the the problem is a lot of people get into the music industry and they're not from these yeah. big towns. When you're from D.C., you know, when you're from a Texas, when you're from a New York, you know, Atlanta, you realize how many people are really good. And then, you know, like here in L.A., there's so many musicians that are like older guys that yeah. are still killers. They just don't want to tour because back in the day they was making ten and fifteen thousand a week, so they're not going out for five thousand no more. That's that's tough. So a lot there's a lot of guys here. Hmm. There's a lot of guys here that said I want to be a producer because the money's longer. So you have you have a a big case of humble pie when you're in yep. from certain towns because you you know you're not the best. <laughs> yeah, you, your big bro is the best. Two hours every you know other day. That that's what holds a lot of musicians back, you know, and and they get out yeah. here and they they think, you know, the music industry, especially in the touring world, is all fun. It's not. Every every interview that you do, yeah. yep. That I know you've done based on some of the things you sent me. I know Brian Fraser Moore alone is going to tell you it is maybe people. Say you're on stage ten percent of the time. It's not even that, bro. It's like four percent. Hmm. And that's if you got a that's yeah. if you got an artist artist. Okay, that's not saying that's Beyonce, that's Justin. 
you know, that's not an artist that only has a 45-minute set because you're doing a House of Blues tour. You know what I'm saying? And that's fine, but I'm just saying, so now everything that you've been watching on YouTube and training to do and playing at church, now you realize you only do that for an hour every other night, maybe three, four nights out of the week. Now you worry about, okay, did I send my invoice correctly? Okay, am I clean? Am I, you know, hmm. handling my money? Did I spend on my per diem? Because after I spend my per diem, I'm not going to have no more money. You know, you got to pay bills back at home. There's all of these other things. Now, once you get yeah. out of the business side, now when you get to your personality, touring, now this is what I do believe. Sports and music are the only yeah. things <laughs> yeah. that you have no choice but to kill racism yeah. and to be able to get along with different people. Because when you're on tour and you're, or you're on a basketball team or in the army or something like that, you come into contact with all kinds of people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Christian and my tech on one of my accounts is an atheist. And I mean, he hates church. I mean, hates like, never, like, mm. you idiot, and I can't treat him back. That's how he feels. He can't treat that, you know. I yeah. Rock. I mean, that's how, and that's how you see a lot of yeah. different types of music <laughs> too, because you know, you're the the monitor guy could be a he could have been out yep. freaking Molly Crew, you know. And it really makes you really understand. Like I really wish <laughs> sometimes when people talk about racism, yeah. I'm telling, like, man, I wish y'all could just go on tour because. Everybody has to get along, especially when you're in catering and it's a day off. Everybody goes to like Disneyland. Man, you got <laughs> the front house guy can have you know all these tattoos, and the keyboard player can be gay, and you know the mm. the drummer can be gay, and the the bass player can can be you know three wives, and it's just all kind of different just cultures that you have. Everybody yeah. likes different music. You know, and it's just like you learn all these things and what holds a lot of people back is they get in their world, they become somebody. So then when you get out here with everybody else, you think that your stuff doesn't stink. You think that, you know, you're the end all and then you get bodied by somebody that'll come in, do it for cheaper and they're just happy to be there. So I'll, I'll, I'll hire, you yeah. know, so just being cool. Or do you think it's just pride at the end of the day? He's 19. He doesn't care what he makes. Mm. And he's just happy to be there. He's going to listen. He's going to be able to be coached rather than hiring Javad, who's done a couple tours. He might have did one or two major things. And he's the open mic king in Idaho. And he wants to wear glasses at night. We're all out just hanging out. Some people don't want to deal with that, you know, and that kills people. I think it's insecurity. Yeah. <laughs> you know, pride means you believe in yourself. You know, you can be you can be prideful, yeah. <laughs> but it really kind of comes from believing in believing your own hype. A lot of this other stuff don't be that. A lot of it is yeah. I have to have this type of persona. Or people aren't going to respect me. Like one of the biggest things I've always had was how people come <laughs> to LA. And when they wasn't in LA, they wore vans, you know, regular shirts, 
khakis. You come to LA, you yeah. do one tour, not everybody hmm. got glasses on. All their clothes are really tight. They got chains on their on their pockets. Now everybody's yeah. a rocker. <laughs> and you just did a hip hop tour. You're a rocker now. Everybody's so rocked out. You know, and it's just like, for what, bro? Like and the thing about it is you think that's what you have to be to be from LA. But the people that are from LA are nothing like that. Yeah. Like the homegrown guys, we don't do I mean some of us do, but the ones that are, they're considered to be arrogant. And at the end of the day, if you're not successful, then what are you doing? Like, for example, Nissan Stewart, one of the yep. biggest musical directors of all time to me. You know, he made playing in a band for hip hop cool. Underground band, yeah. <laughs> they were the first, maybe not the first, but one of the, the, the biggest mainstream hip hop band artists of that, that came first. Missy, Timbaland, Genuine, Aaliyah. You know, they were they were making it cool to play hip hop yeah. as a band, right? Nissan got production placements, his brother Rapture did rock the yeah. boat for Aaliyah. <laughs> it's his song. He produced it. I've never seen him wear glasses at night. I know Nissan got money. Mm. As a pastor now. But I know Nissan got money just because of how he invests. Nissan will be the main person having on some regular. He might have some Jordans, you know. But everybody's just cool. Meanwhile, hey, you see a yeah. guy that's making eighteen hundred dollars a week. He got a Louis backpack. <laughs> he got a Rolex watch, glasses. When you talk to him, he don't look mm -hmm. at you. Like, come on, bro, what's going on? Like, you don't have to be that way. And I'm not saying don't wear glasses. I know people that wear glasses. I wear glasses sometimes. But if I see you, like, now you have talked. If I see you somewhere, you're like, oh, Javon, this is me. If I got on glasses and everything, when I see you, mm. they coming on. Oh, what's up, bro? We friends. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it, I, I think it's an insecurity. I think it's it's people trying to be what they think they need to be to be accepted versus somebody just being, you know, cool with their own skin. But a lot of that comes from yeah. also That's true. It comes from the fact of a lot of guys that are musicians, I've always said <laughs> yeah. it, musicians in a lot of ways are very immature because all we've done has been dope from 12. It's not like when you're a doctor or you're a basketball player. You could be a cold basketball player, but you're yeah. not really going to mature and and get what comes with being that dope Man. until you're like 18, 19 because you got to at least finish high school. With a musician... You can be on a live recording at 13, 14. You could be on a tour at 16 to 18. And what they, because I was out at 17. And what they do is, when it's time for people to go to the club, you can't go. You got to stay on the bus. You know, I mean, that's just what it was. And so what happens yeah. <laughs> is a lot of these guys don't mature as adults. Yeah. So they don't learn just simple yep. people skills. You know, and so then what happens <laughs> is, you know, you've had enough people in your 30,000 people town tell you that you're the next coming of, yeah. you know, Do you think that Jocko, so now, <laughs> I was about to, when you get down there's here, a stereotype now, if you, if you wear TV, sunglasses at night, you saw Ethan Farmer with glasses, you. well, I got to wear glasses, <laughs> well, Ethan, 
wears glasses. Like he was, he wears glasses for his family stuff. And me and Ethan are cool. Me and Ethan go to McDonald's and have That's glasses awesome. on. That's Ethan. You know what I'm saying? So it's just you know Brian Fraser Moore is another one. Great guy. You don't ever see Brian with glasses. Yep. Not saying that glasses is the thing, but you understand what I'm saying? Everybody <laughs> just has their own personality. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, and I probably will. I probably will because you can't see. You can't see. I, listen, listen, bro. Yeah, listen, you don't need it. I've tried it. Yeah. Because I'm like, man, I got to put on, you know, everybody got, okay, I'm, I'm going so out, good. especially now, I'm going out. I got to at least look the part a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I'm still going to speak to everybody, but like, man, I hate wearing glasses at night. I hate it. I try to wear glasses on stage. I don't know how yeah. people do it because you can't see. It's dark, bro. <laughs> it's, it's nighttime. <laughs> it's, it's evening, so it's already dark. Glasses are for are to block light. There's no light. Bro, I'm pissed off, man. Listen, bro. Yeah. Listen, I'm telling you, I've been, I've tried, I've tried. That's why it's funny, cause I've tried it. I tried it. I tried it when I was out with Ricky Martin this last run. Like, man, I'm gonna wear glasses at night on the because the, because the saxophone player Jason Paul. I hope he hears yeah. it too. I'm gonna send it to him. He wears glasses because he has a little <laughs> sax, he has a sax solo in in the show, and Jason Paul plays with everybody, man. MD dope, but he sings. He plays sax. He plays guitar. He plays keys like yeah super dope right and in the ricky show there's a song it's one of ricky's biggest songs and yeah. there's a sample that's a that's a, a saxophone sample well he plays sax in the show so on this specific show on this song <laughs> this is his high like there's a song called Vinci Paca, which is one of ricky's biggest records and it's a it's an accordion song so when we did vegas I had an accordion because the whole sample was like, it's like the signature line. So I had an accordion. I had choreo, the whole thing. So Jason has this moment on the stage, everything. And I'm like, man, I'm wearing glasses tonight because he, the all the horror players on Ricky are so freaking cool, bro. Like they all are really in shape. Like any horror players that you saw, Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because these are like <laughs> these are like the Chippendales of freaking horn players. The freaking yep. trombone players. Just trying to wear, just trying to wear glasses, you know. My friend, his name is George. <laughs> George looks like freaking Tank, bro. He looks like freaking Chris Brown. Yeah, you're getting a crush. bro. He's so I mean, he's chiseled oh. and he plays trombone and he wears glasses. The, the, the trumpet guys from Argentina, like a pretty boy, got pretty hair. All they say, all these fools is just in shape as fuck. Meanwhile, me, I'm back there with a gut, just trying not to be winded from singing all that. So they have from my power. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to wear glasses. Man, I put some glasses on, bro. I I don't even like wearing glasses at night when I'm yep. driving. I'm like, how do people I can't see. I can't see, bro. I can't see. Nobody can see. But, you know, I'm just saying it's like there's this persona that people think success is. Mm -hmm. And and so they, they build this thing that makes them feel and maybe it makes them feel a way. But again, if that's what it takes for you to feel that way, that's an insecurity. Yeah, and I, I really think that's what hurts a lot of guys, you know. And and 
there are some people, like I said, there are some people that do the accessories and they got the cars. And, and that's really a reflection of who they are because that's really who they are. Like, I never forget um, Nissan. Yeah. I was hey. somewhere with Nissan once. I had just got my, I had, at the time, I had a Range Rover. And when he saw it, he was like, oh, okay, that's you. I said, really? He's like, no, that's like you. Like, it's, it's big. You know, it's luxurious, but, it, it, you know, it's yeah. attention getter, but it's not too, you know what I'm saying? It's like, that's you. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay. And so, like, I have another car now, and <clears throat> I got this matte black finish on it because I'm a Batman fanatic. Right. Right? So I have this matte black. It looks like the Batmobile from Batman. And it's mm. a big car. It's a car, though. And so Damo, who's one of my best friends, he's just like, Bro, that look like you. Yeah. It's quiet, but it's big. Like, it's going to say, you know, and so a lot of times things are a reflection of who you are. And that's okay. But the problem I have is yep. a lot right. of these guys aren't that. Because if it was you, you would have came here that way. Like, it's one thing to change your outfits because you got more money. It's something else to change who you are. Like, it's people I've seen, they move here and they were cool. And in a year, oh, what's up, bro? Yeah, man, you know. <laughs> Whoa, whoa. Hey. Hey, in there. What's going on? I'm the same dude. We gonna eat. Listen, if we go hang out, we gonna hang out the same way we hang out at rehearsals, <laughs> same way we hang out at my house. People can tell you. There are people, the TLC band, for example, them guys, I had yeah, never that's cool. them really, but I knew them. You know, we've worked together on some other stuff and seen each other. Man, we were here in rehearsals. <laughs> and I said, hey, man. They, the dude wanted me to do something. Y'all come to the yeah. house. They came to the house. Michael Curtis, super bass player. He's, I, I should have took a picture. I got him in my back room in my studio, knocked out. I mean, yep. just, I mean, out. And the drummer, we all just sitting and listening to music. And when he woke up, he said, man, I fell asleep because I just feel comfortable. Like, it's just real. And then people come to my house and play Xbox. Like, if you're my friend, you know, now I'm an introvert. I don't really don't like people mm. around me, but you know, if we're cool, like, you know, just be, just be you, man. Cause it's not, you know, like if, if we're going to the war show, of course we got to put it on. Of course we got to fit the room, but it's just like, I just don't <laughs> yeah. understand. Yep. This is think, you know, and then like, no offense to him, but. Yep. And I think the people know, that are really successful it's like can you smell can't that in somebody like that. They're being in fake. a town that the only person so that ends up biting them in the butt later. Like, that's the other thing that's always funny to me. Like, you see these people that be, like, in Waco, Texas. But, like, why are you arrogant in Waco? <laughs> like, nobody's there. You don't have no competition. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you arrogant in Seattle. Like, there's no real yep. music scene there. Like, yep. come on, bro. Like, don't do that. Yep. Right. Right. That's right. And that's the See, you just said it. That's the thing. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, so now here's where you're going to get killed because now the person that actually do got $20,000 in his pocket is like, bro, for real? Okay. Because you don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to, I don't, I don't <laughs> ever so have good. to tell you how much money I got, uh. but I bet you know I'm not broke. <laughs> And I haven't, I ain't said what my bank account is yet. I ain't told you how much I made on no tour yet, but I bet you, you know yep. I'm not broke because it just, it is what it is. I'm sure you're not broke. At the end of the day, 
if you got twenty dollars in the bank or yeah, you got twenty thousand dollars in the bank, if the person that got twenty dollars in the bank bills is paid, he got more money than the person that got twenty thousand. You know, I know people that have much, much money and they're sitting there like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Why? Because you know, you got to put that money in every, and I know some other people that get $2,000 a month mm. and their overhead is like 600 Hey man, what you doing? Oh, I'm about to take a nap. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I think that's, 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 if, if I could take anything away, the sound bite for it. If I could take anything away, I would say musicians get in their own way and they let the perception of what they think a successful musician is shape how they actually are versus you just be the best yeah. you and be cool to everybody. Mm-hmm. Just be nice. There's no being nice is free. You ain't got to be cool with everybody, but you got to be nice to everybody. And that's what people don't understand. Damo yeah. told me that one time. Because there's a lot of people I don't like in the industry. Because I, I think they're scumbags. And I remember one time he told me, he said, look, I understand. But you got to be nice with everybody rather than be friends with them or not. And yeah. the truth is, being yep. kind is free. <laughs> so if I see you somewhere, hey, man, what's up, bro? Hey, bro. You know, now we have rehearsal because I'm in the big room with Bieber. Not saying that Bieber people because Harv and all of them my guys and Sticks. Sticks works with me all the time. But I'm just using Bieber because he's huge. You're in the room with Bieber, and I'm in a room with some brand new artist from Interscope. And because you're in the room with Bieber with a tech, <clears throat> now you don't say hello. And we, but we at the lunch line. <laughs> like, bro, we just did some sandwiches, bro. Like, oh, sorry, man. What are some big pieces of advice for somebody that's wanting to kind of be a pro musician, but they can't seem to like find their way in to like the right crowd or getting the opportunity? Um, it depends on where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you're here in LA, you don't have to do the legwork like you would if you were in another place because eventually you end up having to get to LA in some shape or form yeah. if you're trying to tour with artists because everybody who tours here yep. everybody works here this is this so if that's what you're trying to do then yeah but if you're just trying to get on I mean, now we got Instagram. Mm-hmm. And you can literally be the guy on Instagram and look up. And now you work it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, how I mean, many, it can literally happen that way. As an MD, um, do you uh, have you ever picked somebody up from their Instagram? No. Um, no, no, I haven't. But that's only because everybody I, I have such a long list of guys. Yeah. Um now there are some people I have heard on Instagram that I was like, oh, they sound all right. Yeah. The problem I have with Instagram though is anybody sounds good at something that they practice. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So 
it's kind of hard for me to get a a complete scheme on how you are as a drummer for one song because a lot of the things I'm a part of is multiple songs, yeah. multiple genres of music. So it's not as simple as oh, okay, well, he killed on this arrangement of yours. Like this guy posted an arrangement I did and played drums on it. Sounded great. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't tell me how you are as a drummer. It tells yeah. me that you take great gates and you're good at whatever that is. But a show is a lot of stuff. You know, you can, you can, that's why I, I don't really like when people start kind of, um, people, a lot of times people like artists, they want to go on Instagram. Okay, well, do they have a video out? Can I see a video of them doing something? And that's cool yeah. if you want to get stage presence, but it doesn't tell you the type of person that person is. Mm. There have been people hired that I didn't necessarily know, and all I had to go on was, um, all I had to necessarily go on was the videos that I had of them. Right? Yeah. And I got on the road with them, and I didn't like them. Mm, dang. As people. And see, like I said, being on stage is really only about three, four percent. Yep. So, you know, after that, we gotta be cool. It's like even playing, there's some guys that I've had play at my church. Great musicians, but they probably couldn't work with me at church long because I don't like them after the song is over. Yeah. Mm. I don't like how they dress when they got there. Like it's so much stuff that can just turn people off and then you have to think about the artist. So what are some steps that you would um, tell somebody where they're like, all right, I'm ready to get serious about my music career. What are some steps that you would be like, okay, step one, maybe do this, step two, this, step three, boom, boom, boom. Step one, take some type of finance class or get around (laughs) some type of accountant. Okay. That's more important than anything. Because if you're not going to get the right money, you're not going to be compensated correctly. Yep. You will look up and you will have nothing to show for anything. Mm, that's good. And at the end of the day, the other thing that happens is you don't speak up for yourself. And then the stigma becomes, because people aren't going to say it, but you know, it's important that we say this. You get known as the guy that'll do something for something. Yeah. Oh, well, call Ethan because Ethan ain't never made no money. He'll go off for such and such. Yeah. He did such and such for me for this. Yeah. And that's the business side of it. Now, like you said, the first run, yeah, you don't make a busload of money, but you still shouldn't be raped. Right. That's not right. Um, So step, step one, finances, make sure your accounting is good. Step two. Yeah, step two, really research or I don't know what the best way to do it, but try to find out about living life on the go. Hmm. Yeah. Because that's going to be the other most important part of you being out because you got to live on a bus. So, you know, there are certain people that aren't as clean as other people. Sometimes people used to say I wasn't and that wasn't true, but there were things I just didn't know that I didn't learn until later. Yeah. Because you, you know, can't you can't um, really know what it's like to live on a tour bus until that, you've that's lived the life hard on a tour thing bus. About it. If you've never been on, if you've never 
lived from a hotel room. You know, if you've never lived through a bag, yeah. you don't know. It's something you just, and nobody can teach it to you. Hmm. That's good. Nobody can teach it to you because, well, I mean, your mom can't, some things your, your mom can't teach you. Yep. You know, um, so, so really just trying to figure out what's the best way um, to be able to live and, and be around people and, you know, all of that kind of stuff, just being able to deal with different people and different cultures and learning how not to be offensive and what kind of things can offend people. Just all that kind of stuff can mean hell when you've been out for six or seven weeks on a bus. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> at good. that point, it's time to go home. Everybody hates everybody. And what you want is for people to be like, yeah, man, you know, no, nah, I want to go with Ethan because Ethan was cool, man. Was, he was he was cool to hang around. We yeah. Ate, we, you know. That's good. So last last question for you. So nobody can predict the future or anything, but do you have any big ideas or big plans, big moves that you're wanting to roll out soon? Like, what are you working towards right now? Um, I'm getting back into my production stuff. I got some stuff coming out with some artists that are signed to Atlantic. Um, MDN has been great. I think I'm going to do it a couple more. I'm going to do it as long as God allows me. But, um... I think I just want to do one more big one. You know, the Ricky run, this Ricky run is a big run. Millennium yeah. is a big run. I think I'm really, I really want to do one more big one that I haven't done. Um, and I'm praying that it, that it comes across my desk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, you know, I'll do it as it comes and just keep putting people's stuff together. Um, I think I'm going to, I think I'm working on an album. Oh yeah, yeah. If you've been asking me for it, so I think I'm going to do like a maybe like a six or seven song EP and just see how the traction goes. Because the thing is, I don't want to do an album and sit at home. If I'm gonna do an album, I have to, you know, promote it. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I'm thinking about. I'm really thinking about doing an album. I'm thinking about um doing an online tutorial on how how I put together shows. A lot of people have been asking me that. Um, yeah, that'd be dope. Yeah, I'm thinking about doing that. Like a master class? Um, yeah, yeah, like a master class. Um, I'm trying to see what, what website I will partner up with to do it or if I'm going to do it through my website or mm-hmm. you know, how I'm going to do it. Um, and that's pretty much it. I don't think I'm ever going to like sell my stems. Like I know people have been doing that kind of stuff. I don't think yeah. I'll do that. Why not? Um, you already got them. Because I, you know, I don't really believe in that. I, I don't, I don't think it's cool to give people your sound. It's not, it's something else. Hmm. To, yeah. But, but that's the purest in me. That's the musician in me. Like that's the equivalent to me. That's your secret giving, sauce. No, it's not necessarily that a secret sauce because because I don't run out of ideas. It's not like you can't take. You, I can give you the recipe, but I'm the cook. Yeah. So <laughs> it's different, but. I just, I don't know. I just feel like it's lazy. Like, even in church, I don't use stems in church. Hmm. And people are like, yeah. what? You? I was like, no, nah, I don't use stems in church. Like, I feel like if you're going to play, play. That's I don't good. think it's fair to play somebody else's stuff. Like, I just think it's, 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 it's like a handicap. It's like being a drummer and somebody is putting in all their runs and licks and you just play yeah. in the pocket. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's, that's, that's why. Um, I might release some stuff like on like a Spotify or something like that where people can hear it. Yeah. Like the arrangements I've done and people can, you know, just have them and vibe with them. But 
I doubt very highly. Like people ask me to release drum tracks of them, like drumless tracks, and it's like mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to do that because then somebody can go do a show and yeah. not put in no. I believe in hard work. I believe in people working for what it is that they have. That's and, good. Uh, but I don't know. It might change. I don't know. So before we go, uh, any shout outs that you want to give? Just anybody you want to kind of recognize? Yeah, yeah. I got to give a shout out to my man Brian Fergermore. That's my guy. Yep. Proud of him. He's always doing his thing. Shout out to Tony Russell, MD for Kendrick Lamar. Um, he has an album that I was able to work on. I'm very, very humble to do that. Shout out Damo Farmer. Um, he plays with Jay-Z. He's one of the musical directors for 1500. Done a billion things, play for everybody. We're working together. Shout out to my Millennium Band, Bennett, Cedric, Agape. Um, we all at home right now, but they was holding down for me. <laughs> Shout out. Shout out to Ricky Martin Band, me, uh, Pablo, Tony Espaca, uh, Rudy, David Cabrera, the musical director, all the horns, Gustavo, Jorge, Jason, Paolo, the percussion, Rudy, uh, Pro Tools, like, that's yep. bad to see. <laughs> <laughs> um, shout out to my church, Justin, they they keep me prayed up, and my guys over there, Nick Smith, over at Nick's Cook. Nick Smith Global, yep. oh, Nick uh, Smith. Mill Eaglestein, um, Black, his, his, his instant handle is Black Samurai, amazing producer, amazing bass player, Kristen Ross, Kristen Corfru. Um, yeah, all my friends, shout out my mom. Hey, mom. Yep. Hey, dad, <laughs> my little girl, Amor. Shout out my baby, Samantha. You know, shout out BB, everybody, man, all my people. And, uh, uh, thank you so much for the opportunity. Oh, no problem. Uh, if if anybody wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way? Um, my Insta handle at Mr. Clinic. Um, my production handle is at Clinic Did It. At Clinic Did It. Um, my website is www.theclinic.com. Um, and that's pretty much how everybody gets to me these days. Well, Javad, bro, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Everybody out there, be looking for an album, be looking for a master class, be looking for more work coming from Mr. Clinic. But anyways, thank you, bro, for being on. And everybody else, we'll see you in the next one.